0: Thank okay. you.
1: Let's, let's start this thing. All right. Hey, listeners, you are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where three friends get together virtually until safe to do otherwise and talk about a horror movie. We will also talk about Recently Watched, and we're going to spoil that, and the featured attraction. Wait, did I say that wrong? We're going to try not yeah. to spoil that. <laughs> sure. We're going to try not to spoil Recently Watched. We will completely spoil the featured attraction which is going to be Fire in the Sky, based on a true story. Okay? True story, everyone. Uh, this is a 1993 movie we're going to talk about. Uh, we are not professional critics. Um, we're just friends who used to work together at an art supply store, and now we make a podcast. So take it on our high authority. Everything we tell you <laughs> is, is, is well thought out and well researched.
2: We, we uh, hereby declare that everything we say is true.
1: yes. <laughs> and uh we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show and you can uh find their music on amazon or apple music where you could buy it digitally and say hello to them on facebook where they are the moon dash rays uh one more thing and then i'll shut up for a second we made a uh, coloring book the three of us made a plan nine from outer space coloring book and uh If I do say so myself, it's pretty cool. It's beautiful. It is gorgeous. It's a good printing job. You guys did really good art. I did vaguely adequate art and some decent editing. And you can go to plan9coloringbook.com. That's plan, the number nine, coloringbook.com. And you can click through to shop for the thing, and I'll send you extra stuff. Um, And um, yeah. It, uh, speaking of flying saucers, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of that. Uh, guys, who wants to kick off recently watched? I'll go last.
0: Uh, I didn't watch much this week. Um, more Star Trek. Um,
1: Which series?
0: Uh, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Uh, Oh, I had a question. I meant to ask this back when I started watching Next Generation, but Julian wasn't watching, or wasn't on at the time, because he was working. But uh, how do you feel about an Englishman playing a French captain? (laughs) What I mean... I know there's some bad blood there. <laughs> well, what's the, what, what is the feeling? <laughs> and would the series not have been better if Gerard Depardieu had been Captain Jean-Luc Picard? Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. He would have acted more like Kirk, wouldn't he? Oh
0: man, he would out Kirk. Kirk. Yeah, Kirk be- would tell him to tone it down a notch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, there'd be so many green women in this private quarters yeah <laughs> yeah I, I don't know why he's, he's playing a french guy because he drinks he's drinking tea he drinks tea all the time out of a cup and saucer yeah. yeah yeah
0: it's just it never struck me as odd until recently and it was like wait why does he play a frenchman and <laughs> in- I, I
2: guess in the far future that uh, uh there'd be more mixing of uh age old enemies. So you'll, you'll have French people. Maybe I'm just saying, putting it out there. I'm not saying yeah. it's ever actually happened.
0: Yeah.
2: But French people and English people, you know, into marrying. I guess.
1: I can't United see it. United
2: against the Spanish.
1: Is this like 3000 years in the future? What is it?
0: <laughs> yeah. It must be. Uh, yeah. It's 300 years, 400 years in the future,
1: I think. And, and, um, and what is what is his uh, what Patrick Stewart's uh accent specifically?
0: I don't know. I don't know where where Patrick Stewart's from specifically, but
1: I mean, I could I could look it up, but I want to say I don't know the specific accent. But well, Stewart
2: uh, suggests a Scot.
1: Yeah, but the, he does yeah.
0: Arrakis, I believe, originally.
1: Okay. Let's see. <laughs> Patrick Stewart
0: Where I first saw him. On Arrakis? Yeah.
2: Yeah, they had to go for years before they could make one cup of tea. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs)
0: Let's see. Have you seen the trailers for the new Dune movie? No. Uh, Watch it and let me know what you think. I I think it looks too mundane, if that's Uh possible. Like, they've tried to make it a little too realistic and not fantastic enough, at least oh dear. from the trailer that I saw. I mean, it's hard to tell from a little trailer, but uh, it seemed like they were really going for realism, like they really pushed it that way, and it, I don't know, it seemed odd to me. Huh. I still watch the film,
2: but... Okay. I, I've watched the movie, but I've, and I watched the, the making of the, well, the non-making of the Jodorowsky documentary, but I I didn't see that there was that miniseries, wasn't there? I never Uh, saw that.
0: I tried to watch it, and I remember it being really terrible. Uh, (laughs) Just, it was the sci-fi channel, and it looked like the sci-fi channel. Oh, dear. No budget, and really bad acting. Um, Was was Coolio in it? (laughs) No, that would have improved (laughs) it.
1: Uh, Coolio fixes everything. Yeah. You know, if, if, he, if he'd been running with Kanye West, I would have really thought about just filling in that circle.
0: Oh, <laughs> I have to tell you both, I was so tempted to vote for Kanye. <laughs> he got 57,000 votes. I know. Wow. I <laughs> um, saw his name on the ballot, and I was, oh, it's so hard nut.
1: <laughs> all right I, um i've got the information on patrick stewart here okay uh he mainly grew up in a um, northeast part of england called jarrow jarrow j-a-r-r-o-w Oops. yeah okay so there's that um, all right yeah so uh
0: so he'd,
2: he'd have more of a yorkshire yeah Excellent. yeah okay
0: Okay. Yeah. The. Uh, um, what else did I? I didn't watch anything else. I don't think. Uh, we watched a couple Great British Bake Offs.
1: Um, oh yeah.
0: Just because it's pleasant. Um,
2: People being nice to each other.
0: Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> no one's screaming. I didn't come here to make friends. <laughs> uh, I did, and I keep meaning to bring this movie up, I watched it several weeks ago and it made such an impression on me, uh, I keep forgetting it every time, Uh, but I watched uh, the movie I'm Thinking of Ending Things,
1: uh,
0: Netflix film that Richard watched, uh, Charlie Kaufman. I hated, hated, hated this movie.
1: <laughs> I knew it! I
0: knew it! <laughs> it was... I really like adaptation. But I think it's because Nicolas Cage is in it, not because Charlie Kaufman wrote it. Okay, yeah. Um, I just found this, ple- this movie unpleasant. I found the people... Uh, yeah. Unpleasant and not well-defined. Dif- difficult to comparison. watch. They all seem, to, seem the, to be the same person. Yeah. Uh, this made me think of when people watch David Lynch films, you often hear, it was pretentious and weird for the sake of being weird. I don't believe that to be the case of David Lynch's film. Same. But I do believe it to be the case for this film. This film... like a pretentious let's make a weird movie movie and it didn't work for me
1: it needs a user's guide
0: or something
1: yeah yeah it's i don't recommend it i think it's
0: no no yeah it was really unpleasant watching
1: yeah it Uh, was
0: which i thought was unusual it's just the characters were sort of grading and when the one character starts reading her poem, I just had to shut it off. It was yeah. Ugh. So,
1: well, I think we realize by it, it. by the end of it that it's some kind of a weird. Uh, maybe we're inside the head of the guy whose parents they're going to visit. The the meth Damn. the meth Damon guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Meth Damon. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really sure what was going on. It was somebody's memories. Um, and it
1: was different versions of how it could go or how it could have yeah, gone.
0: This it, didn't work. Did not work.
1: No, it was, it was kind of like if he would have woken up and just, dis- and discovered that he'd been in an accident and was in hell, it would have probably made more sense.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, like, like a really, like, really protracted, um, uh, Twilight Zone episode.
0: You know? Something. Yeah. Needed something. Yeah. Like a devil, oh. a devil
1: wringing his hands and cackling at the end.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look at the dumpster full of milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so that, that about does it for me, I
0: believe.
1: How about you, Julian?
2: Okay, uh, a couple of my book uh, books I did covers for came in this weekend, so uh, nice. Uh, this one is called "Southerners and Saurians, Swamp Monsters, Lizardmen, and Other Curious Creatures of the Old South." Hmm. Uh, so it's nice, uh, like graphic design throughout, and uh, some pictures, and it's uh, see the cover. Uh, and it's got um, uh, all these strange things that come rearing out of the swamps oh. uh, yeah so uh, I haven't read it yet but uh, just got that and uh, and also got my copy of
1: oh. uh, A
2: Saw on the System the nonconformist cinema of John Carpenter by Troy house damn a, that's a big book yeah 500 pages or so, oh. so uh, oh. yeah looking forward to reading that too yeah
1: that yeah. Good. yeah, yeah. So, so feel um, feel free to wax philosophical about John Carpenter, but this this other guy with the crazy movie. Now, nah, no, nah. John Carpenter. Yeah, totally. Could go on for hundreds, <laughs> hundreds hundreds of pages. I think that's great. Yeah. Except ghosts yeah. of Mars. Yeah. Don't, don't you know um, two pages about ghosts of yeah, Mars? Yeah,
2: ghosts of Mars. Well, he Troy Howarth. He does a lot of uh, commentaries. Okay. On uh, he's done. Uh, He's he's done just Franco's commentaries too, so he's he's my kind of guy. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not hindered by taste or anything. Um, but he he he'll, he'll like defend Franco, and he'll uh, uh, he'll defend uh, late period dargento. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, you know you might not agree with him, but he's 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 interesting and he knows his stuff, uh, and he's he does very entertaining commentaries. Um, so right. I'm looking forward to reading that uh, watch wise uh, still watching uh, Henshin Ninja Rashi and uh, Ultraman Ace and uh, I watched uh, another Japanese anthology film, uh, this one's called uh, Hitokoa, The Killing Hour uh, I think this one was on Prime um, this is from 2013 this is the third in a uh, series uh, the Hitokoa anthology series and these are all low budget um anthologies i think they're direct to video um this particular one was directed by uh, kazuto kodama um and uh yeah it's not bad it's it's uh, it's obviously very low budget it, it doesn't look great but uh it you know it, it's done well um it's uh, uh and the fourth story in it they take a. Uh, a familiar urban legend. I don't know if it existed in Japan already, but it, it it was actually filmed in the film urban legends. I won't give away what it is because that gives away the twist. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it was fun to see that crop up in a Japanese movie. Um, and I watched a, uh, a Mexican non exploitation film. Ooh. Um, this one's called *Satanico pandemonium. Oh, uh, you may be familiar with the title because it's Salma Hayek's character in From Dusk Till Dawn. Yep. Um, so now you know where it comes from. Uh, this is from 1975. Uh, I think it was actually shot in 1973. Um, it's directed by uh, Gilberto Martinez-Solares. Uh, it stars Cecilia Pezet as Sister Maria. Um uh, you've got uh, all the usual non-exploitation things going on in it. Um, it's got a trippy soundtrack. Looks really good. It looks looks really old-fashioned. It looks like a fifties Technicolor. Really rich primaries. Uh, it's overall it's relatively mild. It doesn't go as explicit as a lot of non-exploitation films, but it's got as good overall sort of erotic mood to it. And uh, she's really good. Um, she doesn't, she's not, uh, she's not, she doesn't like freak out, but she's, uh, you know, she's this nun who's like really repressed and she gets uh, seduced by Satan. And, and uh, 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 without doing that much, she, she conveys that there's this inner conflict going on with uh, what she gets up to later. Um, yeah, so I thought that was quite interesting, uh, one, um, so that's, uh, that's the movies I watched. And then, uh, so I watched, um, uh, far in the sky last night. And then, uh, this morning I watched, uh, the UFO incident, which, where did you find that, which I told you about? Well, I'll send you a link to it.
1: Oh, okay. You did. I, but I was going to try and watch it on the TV.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: But yeah, I'll, I'll still watch it. I mean, why not?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's all thumb drive. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I'll tell you about it then. It's, uh, so the UFO incident is from a 1975 TV film uh, directed by oh. Richard A. Collar. And this is about the Betty and Barney Hill case. Right. Yeah. right. From 1961. Uh, so, you, so you're familiar with this one, right? Yeah, well, this you, is the yeah. film that aired a couple weeks before Travis Two weeks Boston. before. Yeah, yeah, and he was already into UFOs at the time. Uh Him and his wife were both uh, keen on UFOs. Um, So this one stars James Earl Jones as Barney Hill, and uh, uh, so it's mostly them seeing the uh, doctor who uh, puts them into hypnosis. Um, So what happens in this case was uh, uh, nineteenth of September, nineteen sixty-one. They're driving on US3, which uh, goes down the uh, uh, West Bank of the Merrimack up in New Hampshire. And uh, they're driving through the night because they're coming back from a holiday in uh, Montreal. They've been up to Niagara and they spent most of the money. And uh, so they can't really afford to stay anywhere. And, and he's also uh, afraid of uh, stopping at motels because he's black and she's white. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know he knows what things that can happen. Um, so they're driving through the night and, uh, they start seeing, uh, uh, stars, but uh, a star that's uh, moving weirdly. And, uh, then after a while they come around a bend and, uh, they're, they're surrounded by people. Uh, he gets hypnotized and she's still aware of what's happening. They get taken into a, uh, a, a, disc-shaped craft and some uh, samplings are taken as far as they knew on the actual night they arrived um, at their destination uh, down in Concord um, and they didn't know what had happened um, then uh, they're, they're having nightmares and his health is deteriorating and uh, they they uh, they realize in talking about it with people that uh, they've lost two hours they can't account for, uh, and uh, as their as their health and their, their sleep gets worse and worse, uh, they eventually they start seeing a uh, hypnotist, and this is like two years later. So 14th December 1963, they start seeing uh, Dr. Benjamin Simon, and uh, he treats them for a about seven months at their own expense so uh, it's obviously very serious for them to spend that much uh, and they they uh, they apparently discover under hypnosis that they've uh, they were taken into this craft and experimented on and uh, then returned to their car and uh, uh, and that's what happened on the night Strangely uh,
0: there was an outer limits episode about an abduction that aired right before betty and barney hill story oh come
1: on now i can't believe anything anymore
2: (laughs) 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 so uh yeah so so she almost had hard evidence because uh she was talking to the the fellow who was running experiments and uh he gave her he actually gave her one of their books and uh she was but on her way out his colleagues were complaining that uh, they didn't want any of this evidence. Uh-oh, you, you're pro. Uh oh, you
1: froze. Yeah, you froze there for a second,
0: waiting for
2: Joan. Alien.
1: <laughs> you know, you gotta wonder. Jolian totally froze there.
2: Too close to the truth. Yeah, this Uh-oh. is. Uh oh. There we go. The internet's really bad this weekend. Yeah. So she she was able to draw this this map under hypnosis. And uh, later on, this uh, teacher at Fish, uh, Marjorie Fish, she made a 3D model using threads and balls suspended on the threads so that she could rotate it and map it, match it up against uh, an existing constellation, uh, which she was able to do, and uh, showed that the aliens came from Zeta-1 reticuli, Oh. Um, and uh, uh, the the weirdest thing about this map is that uh, some of the objects shown on it weren't visible to humans at the time. Uh, and in the late sixties, uh, they were able to photograph more stars, and they were able to uh, identify what these other stars were mm. in her map. That's a good spooky yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, of course, as you say, there was this Outer Limits episode. There was, uh, a, you're dealing with uh, people reconstructing their interpretations of something that may have been from their dreams. Uh,
0: so, evidently, uh,
2: uh, Betty Hill was
0: a big UFO fanatic beforehand and told a lot of stories about UFOs and kept wrote a lot of stories
2: about UFOs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If, if you really
2: played down at the time, it just came out afterwards. Yeah.
1: If you guys or any listeners want to do a deep dive on this one via a podcast, um, I listened to one and I just wrapped it up last week about Betty and Barney Hill and it's called strange arrivals. So it's it it goes, strange arrivals. Yeah, it goes really into depth about all of it, and um, I have to look up here. I I know that um, that the hills uh, have I (laughs) their their niece, I believe it is, uh, has continued uh, doing more research and uh, and promoting more about their case, like. Um,
2: yeah, the, uh, the book that came out at the time was *Interrupted Journey*.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. It was the granddaughter of the Hills, uh, Angela Hill. So she she is a um, an advocate of their story. Now, for any listeners who are wondering, did they go ahead at Hanna Barbera and name Betty and Barney Rubble after Betty and Barney Hill? <laughs> no. They didn't because the Flintstones. No, that would
0: have been before.
1: Yeah, it, it predates this incident by a year. the The Flintstones. So, so there's that. Uh, same spelling though. Same spelling of Betty and Barney. So.
2: Yeah, he he died in '69 of a cerebral hemorrhage, and uh, but she she stuck around. I don't know if she's still around. Um, she died in 2004, I believe. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, she did a lot of appearances and had more stories about UFOs and such afterwards. Yeah.
1: So you doubt their story, both of you? You doubt the Hill's story?
0: A little bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about Travis Walton? I mean, we, we
0: don't. Mm. We, <gasps> total, total doubt. Okay. Hard doubt.
1: Okay. Now, for the listeners. <laughs> Pressing that X button. Okay. For the listeners. Um, Basically, you should be only listening to this if you watched the movie, but if you're listening anyway, just for amusement, um, want me to give a quick rundown of what happened or allegedly happened? Sure. Okay. Uh, this is November 5th, 1975 in uh, snowflake, Arizona, uh, a crew of loggers, uh, which included Travis Walton and Mike Rogers and Alan Dallas and David Whitlock, Greg Hayes and Bobby Codgill. Um, they went to work in the white mountains and, uh, they were on a contract to, uh, I don't know, thin the forest or whatever. It was some sort of forestry con, uh, contract and, uh, on their way down the mountain from work, they saw some crazy light around a bend in the road and, uh, thought at first it looked like it could be a forest fire and they were realizing as they got closer that it was not. Then they stopped because there was some crazy thing hovering above a clearing. And uh, apparently Travis Walton got out of the truck to go have a closer look. And while standing in the field, there was a beam of light. Um, It grabbed him and knocked him back and then maybe did other stuff to him. The rest of the guys, he wouldn't come back to the truck. They jumped in and took off. Uh, the, the main guy, I think he was driving, uh, Mike Rogers, uh, went back to look for him and he was nowhere to be found. They get back to town. They're pretty stunned. They go have a beer somewhere and they're really, you know, not being themselves. And pretty soon it turns out, well, Travis seems to be missing. And these guys are being looked at as maybe having murdered him in the mountains, and so they go through several days of this. All of a sudden there's a phone call from Travis from a phone booth. He's naked and dazed and dehydrated. A uh, couple of them go pick him up. And uh, then he starts telling the story of, uh, well, all of them are starting to be questioned in different ways. But Travis is being questioned as to what happened to you. And uh, he was uh, at first hesitant, I think, to tell but he was in a zero-gravity environment. Uh, they were trying to do medical experiments on him inside this spaceship. And he did some stuff that made them seem to want to let him go. Uh, he saw lots of gross, icky stuff and gooey things and uh, did a lot of floating around. And uh, yeah, they, they stuck uh, very primitive dentistry-looking stuff uh, inside his mouth and maybe other orifices. And uh, there you go. Uh, I like that James Garner played the investigator because it was yeah, like yes. it was like a great episode of Rockford Files.
0: He was the best part of this movie.
1: Yeah, I liked Ro- uh, Robert Patrick who played Mike Rogers. I liked him too.
0: Yeah. no, yeah, no, too. I didn't. I didn't like him in this No. At all uh, I can buy Robert Patrick as a uh, shapeshifting evil shapeshifting Terminator or an FBI agent. Or his best role, a gambling-addicted uh, uh, sporting goods shop owner on The Sopranos that's taken advantage of by Tony and the mob. Yeah. Um, really, really good part. I did not buy him as Mike Rogers as a logger in this at all. I don't know if he's just a little too pretty, and he has kind of a sinister
2: look that's, to him all the time. That's, that's, more, that's actual Travis. Yeah. Quite a good looking guy.
0: Yeah. And I, just, I don't know. There's a difference. This is a movie star quality to to old uh, Robert Patrick that just didn't say logger to me. Yeah,
1: I've known a lot of loggers. They weren't like a bunch of normal looking dudes. Usually they, <laughs> they looked more, I don't know, hillbilly-ish. Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't know. And these guys... Uh, I, now, I'm going to preface my review of this film with the fact that I've not felt well, um, which probably colored my viewing of this film yesterday.
1: Okay.
0: Um, But I found it really fakey. (laughs) And I don't know if it's because it starts off with based on a true story, but it made me feel really hyper aware that I was watching a movie and everything seemed very movie-like. The guy riding, D.B. Cooper, I want to call him, D.B. Sweet, (laughs) uh, Travis Walton, rides his motorcycle playfully down the sidewalk, and the cute girl at the donut shop leans out the window and gives him a bag of donuts. And it was just... First-year script-writing nonsense. The people have arguments (laughs) in this movie all the time, but they don't really argue. They just, everybody yells. And it's not, they didn't feel like there was any real reason behind it other than a script telling you, everybody yells. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The whole thing felt like that, other than James Gardner. James Gardner was a breath of fresh air in this otherwise dreary television movie that I i watched <laughs>
1: did you just want him to throw all of these characters in jail
0: yes <laughs> or pull a scam on them i mean on the rockford files he was always pulling scams on con artists because he was a con himself he should have conned travis walton and and his friends It could have had a big you know set piece at the end where he he and angel martin have made a fake ufo in a barn
2: and uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. He he seemed like a, a this smart, great investigator. You think he's going to do something, but he's just passive. He's just as he says, he's yeah. just waiting for them to slip up.
0: Yeah, that I don't know. There were a lot of little things in the movie like that. Like at the beginning, they pull him in, and they say he makes some reference to why do you, why do you want radio silence on this, implying that they didn't want anyone to know about the story you know, this Travis Walton disappeared. What's going on? They don't know what's going on, but there's all these people at the police station and they're all standing out front talking and the lights are going and everything. And it's, it's shit like that. That just makes me go, he works just <laughs> a little bit harder. It could be believable. You know, so, the best part of the film is the UFO bit.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you, is that the most believable part of this movie for you?
0: Yeah. That's the best part of the film because it looked, different i mean maybe it was a little uh guy dress but i enjoyed it with the anti-gravity and you don't really know what's going on and the little uh, uh, puppety bald guys were fun <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah they're well done and i liked the uh when he sticks his hands in one of the pods and there's this other human who sits uh, up in it yeah kind of look kind of looks like kevin bacon <laughs> Ooh, yeah yeah there
0: were some good parts that was the best part but the rest of it was like a a bad episode of the x-file
1: yeah like i could see that um you know it's funny i have not seen this movie i might have watched it about six or eight years ago but i have not watched this movie uh that it stuck with me at least uh except for when it came out and i know i was in college at the time and um I don't know. I've always I've always enjoyed the UFO stories, and thought. Well, oh. I
0: remember really liking this movie when it came out. I thought it was pretty good when it came out. I thought it was, you know, I I mean, UFO abduction stuff was real hot at the time. Yeah. So that probably fed into it. But I thought it was well done, and it was creepy, and and I was entertained this time around, uh, not so much. Um, but I think I've watched, you know. Um, te zillion more movies since that <laughs> I was nineteen ninety
1: three. I was prepared for the movie not to be anything I would enjoy except for that part aboard the ship because I remembered that being a pretty long scene, and that I really liked it so i was I was willing for the rest of the movie to be absolute garbage, which I don't think it was i mean i I enjoyed it like any other movie uh but yeah, you're right, it really did tell you it was a movie kind of throughout and yeah, the gee Wiz bullshit of like, oh, and he's going to climb up to the second floor and go to the girlfriend's window and all that crap, you know, that movie crap. It's, it's, yeah. It's worse than Pumpkinhead when you're seeing uh, Lance <laughs> Henriksen and his kid and everything's just great. And, you know. Yeah. They're, it's just.
0: Yeah, there's an opening scene where the little girls hop in bed with Robert Patrick's character and they're all giggling. And, and it was just was such a movie moment it could have been cribbed from you know 20 different generic things it just it didn't tell me anything about the character it didn't the whole thing was like that
1: <laughs> um yeah and the in the the uh face-off between uh the drifter guy and uh
0: oh uh, god yes with the chainsaws
1: yeah yeah, that was nonsense. Yeah. That was total nonsense. Like, that would have that would have just been either a fist fight, you know, a bunch of mouthing off that ended up a fist fight or nothing. You know? Yeah, it would have gone one way or the other.
0: Yeah, they did not seem like real, real no. people. And I loved reading the trivia. They said that in the actual incident there were seven people involved, but they cut it down to six so it wouldn't be confusing to the audience. Oh. like Yeah, because there are like five characters there that I couldn't tell you the names of. <laughs> they were all the same person, and one of them was Henry Thomas.
1: Yeah. The kid from E.T. Yeah! Nice tie-in. Um, <laughs> but there's... Yeah, that's, that's a lot of guys to stuff into a pickup. You should have just made it four guys.
0: Yeah, make it four guys, make them a little more extinct. I mean, they changed the abduction bit anyway because they said... That it wasn't uh, interesting enough oh. for the film. So they made it very gooey and scary. And Travis Walton said he woke up and they took him in a room and showed him some stars. And then some human came in and took him to another room and they put a plastic mask on his face and then he woke up. It did not Not much really happen that, you know... Uh, it certainly wasn't very movie like I don't
1: think Hmm. Uh, Jolie, had you seen this before?
2: Yeah I saw it a while ago Uh,
1: How did you like it this time around?
2: Uh, It's a good looking film and and it's got those you know it's got those cute bits Uh, you know it's very much like a Zemeckis or Spielberg film Yeah uh, in in the worst way (laughs) Um, Yeah but uh, I, I liked how they are trying to make it a human drama about him uh, you know because it it's definitely comes down on the side of this all being true so he's, yeah. he's this like manly dude who's uh, comes back into his working class town and he's going to have to come up with this, he, he's trying to tell the truth and he's got this ridiculous story no one's going to believe and they suspect the worst of him uh, you know that's that's the that's the interesting aspect of it for me
1: hmm yeah I, I would say that
2: so, so I think the movie played up that human drama um, but uh, then you know then the part of me who likes who, who will sit through anything to see a flying saucer at the end you're faced with a flying saucer right at the start and then the rest of the movie is, is just these guys shouting and
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I almost wish they had played it a little more ambiguously in the beginning because they, they hit you with it immediately, like, it's a UFO. He was abducted. And because of the flashbacks, that shows you that that happened. I mean, as far as a movie goes. When you show a flashback, you usually don't question it because you're seeing it. Unless they contradict it later and show it in a different way. Um, I think maybe if they hadn't shown things at first and just had the guys talking about it, you could have built up a little more drama of, what the fuck's going on? What happened? Because you see the UFO, you're like, oh, he was abducted, and you just wait for the UFO to come back. Or the UFO bit to come back. Whereas I think they could have played up the mystery a little more. They could have had James Gardner's character. Like you said, he's very passive in this. Even though he's an investigator, and he's quite certain that they're full of shit. He doesn't seem to push it very much. I mean, <laughs> I guess they
2: didn't really do anything. Yeah, I, I, I like the approach of like the, the UFO incident. It's uh, that they they're having this trouble when they go and they get, they have this hypnosis and then stuff is revealed. They, they didn't even realize they had experienced. So you're seeing them getting their memories back over the course of the film. And it's also because the only time they're seeing this stuff is when they're under hypnosis and, talking about their dreams and such, it's still ambiguous about whether it actually happens. So it's a yeah. much more interesting structure. And then on the other extreme, you have uh, Close Encounters, which is like one of my favorite films ever. Uh, oh, but, yeah. But that, like, you've got this guy who's uh, apparently crazy, uh, but he's obsessed. And and he's he's pretty, uh, he'll, he'll take this as far as leaving his family to go and, to go and see the stuff. And then yeah. Builds and builds and builds, and all these all these incidents, and then it gets to that incredible climax. Um, so that you know, it's the other, other extreme of uh, doing a UFO movie. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I think this one, in a way, uh, it was also a little too cutesy at times. Like when the crossing guard lights come down, you see the lights on the oh, yeah. windshield, and James Gardner's all. He looks right. shocked, and then you realize it's the crossing guard, but then that expression doesn't make sense. Yes, Why was yes. he shocked? Exactly. You know? And, yeah, that's a cute little gag, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's
2: funny for a second, and then it kind of sours it, because you think, oh, that guy would never Yeah,
0: because that's not who that character was. who right. wouldn't be shocked by a crossing guard. <laughs> fight or something, you know? but they made it so the audience would move UFO! Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so what would
1: be the, the better setup or the, or maybe what I always wonder is what is the perfect UFO movie? Is it more scary than dramatic and intriguing? Or is it better that it's more dramatic and intriguing and then we get a little bit of scary in it? Uh, Do we, do we, do we not want to ever see the aliens just maybe see glimpses of the ships? Like, what do you think is the, don't show the monster, uh, and certainly not hang out with it for the whole movie or see it at the beginning. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I think, I think if it was a little more mysterious in the beginning and then built up to that horror at the end that you don't know quite what happened. I mean, this movie was sold as a UFO movie people are going to it for the UFO so I can see why they front loaded it the way they did I can see why they put that little gag with the crossing bar in because you're expecting a UFO movie if they sold this as a more of a mystery and you didn't know quite what happened and then it turned out to be a a UFO and then you got to see what was inside the UFO briefly I think that would have worked a little better
1: yeah. Um
2: yeah, I think the, it, like uh, people say awesome you know for the slightest thing. But the original meaning of awesome is an experience of terror mixed with ecstasy. Yeah. In in the presence of something uh, divine or completely out of your experience. Yeah. So that's what I that's what I look for in a in a flying saucer movie.
1: No. Yeah to go to a, an older one, the day the earth stood still to me, oh, to me, that is a stunning, wonderful, beautiful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great movie. Well, yeah. the, actually the UFO incident, the, uh, the interior of the ship is remarkably like that. Like, a, ah. it, it's based on the, uh, description of the hills. But if you look at their description, it's like this corridor that circles around a central core of the ship. And then the, there's these, it's divided up into these rooms. Uh, it's, it's very much like the interior of the Clartu uh, spaceship.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that... Uh.
0: I, I also heard that uh, Travis Walton's story uh, resembles a Heinlein story about a UFO abduction. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but <clears throat> evidently same sort of thing guy is, gets out of his car, a blue light knocks him to the ground, he's gone for a few days, the ship on the inside looks a lot alike, the things that happen on the ship are a lot of the same things, so, I also have to bring up the fact that the Enquirer was paying uh, money for UFO stories if you Mm -hmm. passed your polygraph. Yes. uh, Which they did not pass the first time. Uh, yeah.
2: The film doesn't mention that the Waltons were into UFOs. No, it doesn't
0: at all.
1: Um, guys, I, Uh, I forgot to mention, I was in the same room with Travis Walton, uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago at, um, horror hound Indianapolis, which had a, an extra show. Well, two extra shows that are part of it, which would be mask fest. Um, which, I mentioned when I was talking to Rudy, uh, in, in that episode, uh, but also fact or fiction fest, Travis Walton and Bob Gimlin. That's where I met Bob Gimlin of the Patterson Gimlin film. I didn't get a chance to go talk to Travis Walton. And I'm kind of glad I didn't <laughs> because I would have been like, no, you guys, you don't understand. I met him. He's really nice. He, he kind of looks like the cowboy from the village people, but don't hold that against him. Um,
2: would that uh, 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 there's like uh, they don't really go into it, but there's there's a uh, there's that couple of uh, people from uh, the ufologists who uh, are yeah. tracking down the track down Travis in the film. Uh, so it, uh, what happened with the case was uh, the year before it, uh, the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, uh, which was founded by Coral Lorenzen. Uh, year before this they decided to concentrate solely on contact and abduction cases um so i imagine by 1975 they were really looking for someone who'd be their champion they could they could yeah build a story around so they were they were pretty vulnerable to being fooled there was later cases where they were they were really led up the path uh, by people yeah
1: yeah, I would be interested to see what uh, Stan Friedman would have would well said or would have said about this, because uh, he was always kind of my favorite researcher, because he would you know he he'd be willing to believe of something viable, but he would also look at something and kind of see it as not true if if he felt it was not true. Um, but he he wrote a book that I just uh, bought about a week ago called uh, the crash at corona about the um, mm-hmm. the whole roswell thing uh stan friedman that's the guy that i would I, I should look up like did he have anything to say about the travis walton case
0: i'm sure he did
1: yeah yeah i'm sure but uh do you guys have any favorite cases other than um maybe betty and barney hill
0: uh i always liked the uh oh, what is his name there was a guy in the, uh I think he was a state cop in New Mexico who saw UFO in like the early sixties. Um,
1: did he get a, a personal visit from, uh, the captain of the spaceship?
0: Something like that.
1: There was a guy who was a, like a state trooper that the,
0: the, Oh yeah. That's another guy. Yeah. He was <laughs> like in Missouri, I believe. Yeah. yeah. um, the other day, when we were talking about uh, doing another coloring book, I looked up UFO coloring books because I thought, hey, Richard likes UFOs. Yeah. Uh, Whitman uh, Publishing did a bunch of UFO coloring books in the late 60s. Oh. You should look up. They're oh, great. Cool. Because they have little stories that are like, they're single page coloring, you know, like a coloring book. But they're, for several pages, will tell a little story and that one's in there some state cop from missouri or arkansas or somewhere that yeah the ufo came down they had like dragon emblems on their chest or something looked very medieval very ed (laughs) woodish
1: yeah yeah because they had battle axes
0: (laughs) yeah
2: exactly
1: (laughs) Uh. Jolene, do you have a favorite case
2: uh I can't remember the details, but it's in one of those books about uh, encounters in the old west, and uh, there's like um, stories from the northwest about uh, uh, so- sources will come down in this particular valley and drop off big feet.
1: Ooh, oh man! And uh,
2: so they, you know, the, the locals stayed out of this valley because all these big feet were turning up or, or big foots. Yes, I'm not sure what, what the plural is. Bigfoots. Uh, but But yeah. They're, uh, there was this uh, white explorer who befriended the local tribe and uh, they uh, uh, they took him to this cave where this uh, wizened old Bigfoot was living and uh, they, they'd bring him meat and stuff to to eat and um, uh, keep him happy. But,
1: uh, oh, hmm. well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I
0: love stories of airships from like the the turn of the century from the you know, yeah. 1900s where somebody was on their farm getting water out of the well and an airship showed up and they mm-hmm. took them on a trip that night and they flew all over texas or yes you know like wow what a
2: you know. yeah i like all those stories like a uh, jules verne sort of contraptions like what we call steampunk now Of
0: yeah like, uh, this
2: well-dressed gentleman and he's like Hovering over the town, and he's peddling some contraption. Oh <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, mean, it's,
0: it's fantastic, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, these days we'd be like, "Where's all the green women?" What the hell? <laughs> um, my favorite—I think one of my favorites, uh, as far as a UFO, obviously Roswell is kind of the the granddaddy, as far as I'm concerned. It's kind of the the be-all, end-all because. There's so much government cover up that if it was what they said it was, there'd be no reason for it. Um, but the, the Phoenix Lights, which I believe was 1997, where it was a mass sighting, it's so many thousands of people saw these giant silent crafts go over. And then all the military has to do is just shut up and just say, Oh, no, wasn't us. We didn't see it. What are you talking about? Nothing on our radar must be a mass hallucination hysteria, whatever. But then no, they start making up shit like, Oh, well, you know, we dropped a bunch of flares and it's clearly not flares. What people saw not flares. And there are videos of it, not flares. So that one is right. really fascinating to me because so. Many yeah. Episodes, I, I like that
2: stuff where you don't know what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's unidentified. I'm not saying it's aliens. I'm just saying you <laughs> didn't, you didn't identify it and it, and uh, your flailing attempt to, to sell us on flares didn't work, so what else you got? Yeah, so right, yeah, Phoenix Lights for me, I would say. Great, yeah, so uh, Travis Walton, uh, he's pretty far down the list as far as, far yeah. as his favorite cases. Uh, but if only for that scene, you know, we don't need motorcycle riding, donut grabbing, we don't need all that, you know, just get us. To the part, you know. Forget the chainsaw fights. Get us to the part where they're they're probing him on the spaceship, and it's all Geigery, yeah. Geiger meets Cronenberg, or Geiger. I'm sorry, Geiger. Yeah. Geiger meets Cronenberg. Um, I, I was,
2: I was, that's a good sequence. But I, I was uh, I was quite surprised that this movie came out in the mid '90s. Was it like '93? '93. Uh, yeah. 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 I was quite surprised it came out then. It just seemed like, uh, yeah, this was a this is a '70s TV movie. Uh, you know, this this is fills an hour and a half slot on TV with ads, mm-hmm. or, yeah. a, or it's or it's a, a short, semi-fictionalized documentary like they do on History Channel or something. Uh, yeah. yeah, You know how how come this is like an expensive-looking major release?
0: Yeah, yeah. They, they had it felt. That's why I said it felt like an X Files episode. Right, right.
1: Yeah, they had you know, they had they ILM work on the. It felt this like thing. they
0: spent about a million dollars on the whole thing, you know, <laughs> and 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 they did well with their budget, but you could tell they didn't have much of a budget. Yeah, why did this? You know, why did this get a major release? But I think it's just because UFOs were so hot. Yeah, at the time. well, you couldn't yeah, turn around without running into a UFO story. Yeah,
1: we had X Files, and yeah. people were pretty excited about, and it was this movie that uh, Chris Carter. Uh, uh, got sort of onto the idea of having Robert Patrick, uh, jump in and play agent Doggett
2: Okay. Af- oh. after uh.
1: Mueller ducked out, but, um, ILM did the special effects and, yeah. and, uh, was it Bill Pope? Uh, yeah. Bill Pope was a cinematographer, just a laundry list of great things that he lensed. Um, like, uh, he did yeah, it's a
2: good looking film.
1: Yeah. He did uh, army of darkness, dark man, um, the Matrix, and then the two sequels, Spider-Man Two, Spider-Man Three, uh, all kinds of great stuff, and you know, great-looking stuff, anyway. Um, so yeah, they had all kinds of wonderful mm-hmm. things happening visually.
2: <laughs> Actually, uh, when this came out, so I was I was in Japan, and uh, they were trying to boost tourism up into the north where I was. So Hokkaido is this big, like farmland, m- ski mountains area mm-hmm. and uh, but there's lots of little towns that are quite isolated and nobody ever went to so what they decided to do was that every town should have something special about it that people would want to go to mm. uh, so they they'd have towns that are known for their lavender or their belly festival or whatever yeah uh, there was one particular town which decided to go with being the town where flying saucers were going to land and, uh, and this would be their tourist thing so they they shaved off the top of a hill and they made a landing strip (laughs) and there's there's always like flying saucer stuff you can buy there uh,
1: that's so cool yeah Yeah, it's like we we made just a great place to land one if if anyone wants (laughs) to land one
2: come and see the landing strip everybody
1: yeah but it's Japan so they blurred it out <laughs> uh, so <laughs> yeah a little little porn joke there
2: little porn joke for Richard
1: yeah, not a not a real porn guy, but I can't help but notice the the blurring um so guys, I gotta say you know this movie finally gets us to a point where everything that's gonna happen happens and then it just sort of wanders off at the end doesn't it
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like all right so we were kind of zemeckis and uh have a nice night yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> and i wondered he, if robert patrick hadn't broken his foot at the end because they don't show him walk to the car and he doesn't quite get out of the car at the end he kind of stands at the doorway and does this weird little hop it's mm-hmm. bizarre it's like did you have a your leg in a cast or something, and they didn't want to show
1: it. <laughs> um, this was after T2, wasn't it?
2: Right.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, maybe he's just like, you know what, guys? I was T2. So, <laughs> I'm not getting up for this. Yeah. This crap at the end. <laughs> I did all the scowling you wanted me to do. You know, I grabbed the French toast from those damn kids that jumped in the bed. I'm done.
0: i I like uh at the end before travis has his freak out they're having some sort of dinner and every the wife's like oh food's ready food's ready and she goes looking for travis and he's under the kitchen table and a syrup bottle tips over, and all I wondered was, like, who left the fucking cap off the syrup? (laughs) I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. Damn (laughs) kids. Oh.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. Do they not, yeah, maybe they didn't have the little snap cap with the nozzle then, but still. Somebody
0: lost it. Yeah. I guess it was 1975, maybe they didn't have the snap caps then.
1: Yeah, they probably didn't. It's a fairly new invention.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, this is the part where I like to ask you guys, (laughs) uh, do you recommend it? Do you think?
0: Uh, I'd say pass this time.
1: What about non-horror fans? I mean, like horror fans probably are just going to like that 10 minute sequence, but maybe not so much the rest of it. Um, Non-horror fans, can you think they can get behind this? It's kind of Zemeckis-y
2: yeah i don't know as a horror movie no no
0: uh, J- uh if
2: you're in, if you're into flying sources then yes because it's like a famous place yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, it covers most of the information uh it lets them off the hook about ambiguity and what they got up to afterwards yeah, yeah. or what they got up to before <laughs> um so uh, well, I
0: I agree with that. Yeah, if you're a UFO, if you like to see a UFO in a movie, this is this is it for you.
1: Yeah, but but you know, Life of Brian, uh, not you know, not to spoil a movie that we weren't talking about, but uh, Life of Brian has a great UFO sequence.
0: Probably oh, a yeah. better one than this. <laughs> yeah, I would I would watch Life of Brian twice before I watch this one again. Okay, um, but that's my favorite
2: Monty Python movie. Yeah. I think the the Coen brothers did a one called The Man Who Wasn't There. Oh yeah! And there's a there's a flying saucer that turns up in that, and it's beautiful. Oh yeah! It's like really that's simple a, old school that's a UFO. a strange, weird little film. Yeah.
0: I, I don't remember it quite working for me, but I, I liked it. it. You know, it didn't quite come together in the end, but
2: it was interesting. All right. Yeah, but I, I stick to the 50s and the 70s for my flying sources. I
1: think. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I can't, yeah, I can't say I like much better than the stuff we got in the 50s. And uh, yeah, the 70s had, you know, obviously Close Encounters was great. But yeah, we had a handful of really great things from those two decades. And um, I'll watch all of it. You know, it's great. So, uh, we we finally did a, a proper uh, alien abduction UFO thing on the show. I don't know that we have before. Have we? No. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys I watched um, that Twilight Zone episode to serve man. Okay. Oh shit. <laughs> I watched that like a couple nights ago after having watched this. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty badass.
2: Mhm.
1: And it was either it was either the guy who played was it Richard Keel, or was it the guy who played yes,
2: it? Yes, Richard Keel. Richard yeah. Keel, yeah.
1: So it wasn't Lurch, it was it was Jaws. No. Okay, okay, just make sure I get the... I can't
0: remember Lurch's name. Oh, oh me
1: me neither, but
0: I knew it was... Uh, Ted Cassidy. Ted Cassidy.
1: There you go. No,
0: right.
2: it's it's Keel in that.
1: Yeah. So uh, whose turn is it to pick a movie
2: next? Uh, I believe it's mine. All right. Yeah.
1: Did you have anything in mind?
2: Uh, I, had, I haven't seen it yet, but there's a... a I'll find you links for it Uh, I think it's on well I'll I'll, I'll check uh, where it's on but um, it's called Hex Uh, it's not a recent one and it's not the 1980 Hong Kong one it's this 1970s American movie about a couple of witches uh, which sounds pretty interesting Um, yeah early 70s witch movie witch movies are so so good yeah so
1: hex ed hexed or hex
2: no h-e-x okay all right all right cool all but right I'll, I'll i'll try and find where it is and let you know on facebook where i found it cool. okay
1: and i'll see if i can uh maybe click through on that link you sent and uh watch that uh, uh the ufo incident from yeah him. i
2: think you would like that one that's really yeah. interesting
1: yeah james earl jones and uh, estelle parsons um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I looked that up. They're
2: really good. The cast really good. It's an interesting uh, the way the way it's uh, constructed, and it's it's just an interesting case. Even if the flying saucer stuff isn't, you don't believe that. It's still there's there's lots of interesting stuff going on.
1: Yeah, and um, listeners don't trust the hypnotists because if if we <laughs> if we learn nothing else from the Satanic Panic, it's that they can implant memories on you. So beware. I'm not gonna say don't trust them. Just Be careful. So maybe that's the same thing.
2: Be better. Take care.
1: Yeah, be better. Anything else before we get out of here, guys?
0: I don't think so.
1: All right. Well, again, listeners, we thank you for listening.
2: Keep watching the skies. (laughs) See you guys next week.